2: KJ podcast, 49ers faithful. I know you're starting to get excited. Baseball all-star game happened. The chapter has turned. It is about to be football season. Training camp begins next week. On the line, we have our ace reporter from Niners wider, Chris Biederman. What's going on, man? Not much, Kevin. How you doing? That's such a cold, like, not much. How you doing? Can you have a little more energy? I I kind of don't like that.
3: No, No, I'm good. I'm actually... I'm I'm sort of stuck. I'm reclined in my recliner, and my dog's kind of laying on my legs, so I'm leaning back a little. So maybe that, that might be this, the reason why I sound so relaxed. But, yeah, man, it's good to be with you. I'm excited about this. Chris,
2: is, Chris has been cranking out amazing training camp preview content. A lot of the other writers have taken this time off, if you noticed it, because it's a long season ahead. Chris is really kind of starting the engine here, getting it revved up. We're going to do training camp Question marks that the Niners can answer. I think there's some things that they'll solve in this next month. couple th- big picture things they won't be able to solve and some sleepers will wa- run by with Chris. But unfortunately, Jimmy Garoppolo, oh, I-, I think this is a loss for him and not that it's just um, it's just negative news. You just don't want your sexual business out there. He's seen with porn star Kiera Mia. It's like, is this real? Like, this is happening. I think it's a rookie mistake on him because... He didn't realize TMZ in LA, he's such a popular figure now. I I don't think it's a big deal with, you know, who cares what women he chooses to sleep with, but you obviously don't want it in the papers. So you see that headline this morning, Chris, what is your initial reaction?
3: Um, I mean, ultimately, as long as this doesn't turn into a a Vinny Chase situation, I don't know if many of your listeners are, are entourage (laughs) viewers, but, uh, I mean, ultimately, as long as, um, you know, some of the other stuff doesn't come with it, and it's just two consenting adults doing their thing, um, I really don't consider it too much of an issue. It is it is a funny headline, um, and it, it is funny to see the reaction from Twitter, but, uh, you know, Garoppolo is, is not – he doesn't seem like the type of person who's going to allow this to become a, a negative – A negative force at any point through the season. Um, You know, he's been, he's been seen with a few different women this off season. Um, I think it's clear that, you know, going back to his social life in in New England, he's, he's been a bachelor and he plays the field and he enjoys himself and, you know, he's, he's making $37 million this year. And, uh, and I think he's, he's going to enjoy it uh, to the fullest. So um, as long as, you know, he, he stays safe. He stays healthy. <laughs> um, That—that's—that's that's the only. Those are the only things I think what? 49ers fans should really worry about. And and you know, and I think Garoppolo has a strong head on his shoulders, and uh, and and he's going to handle things correctly.
2: Stays healthy. Are you talking about him pulling some back muscles here, doing some unique moves? I mean, it's funny, Jimmy G. <laughs> you, you just don't think. Of off-season headlines, like, this is not going to turn into Johnny Manziel, guys. Don't freak out. This is a slip-up of him taking something private, public. Didn't realize how big of a figure he is now. Nothing to be concerned about. I mean, it is, the team is going to rail the shit out of him in the meeting room. I would anticipate some funny Photoshop. So, if anything, maybe the team will come closer together. Chris, I mean, training camp, it's here. You've been writing amazing stuff. The question that I want answered, and I think we might be able to answer it in the first 10 days is Joe Williams, a fourth round pick last year, running back Kyle Shanahan rarely misses on talent evaluation at that position. If he comes into training camp and he's not impressive and they don't see that pep in his step and he's fumbling, will they be willing to admit their mistake? Would they cut a fourth round pick this year? Or do you expect him to come in there and maybe usurp this position from Matt Brita, Joe Williams, if I had to predict today, I think they might cut
3: him. Yeah, I mean you you look at his work throughout the offseason program. He was working with the third and, and fourth team offense. He was pretty noticeably behind Raheem Mostert, who I think is is pretty safe when it comes to the roster bubble, just because Mostert is probably the team's best gunner on special teams. So they kept three running backs on the roster last year. I think Ruben Foster's situation, he's gonna you know, he's gonna be suspended for the first two games of the season, which is going to put him on the suspension list, which is going to open up another roster spot that might allow the 49ers to keep four running backs. If that, if that's the avenue they want to take uh, to start the season, but otherwise I'd expect, you know, I'd expect them to keep three running backs. And and right now I'd say the favorites to make the team are going to be Jarek McKinnon, uh, Matt Burita, and Raheem Mostert. Like I said, because of what he gives them on special teams and Williams hasn't, proven to, to really give anything on special teams. And even if he did make the team, it's hard to imagine him being up on, on game days on the 46-man roster. So I would say right now, uh, Williams is is unlikely to make the team. And, and I think the 49ers wouldn't mind uh, maybe him getting more seasoning on the practice squad throughout the season. But in doing that, you're going to have to put him through waivers, and he can be plucked from the practice squad at any time by another team that needs a running back. Um, And I think he's talented enough to where that would be a legitimate concern um, just because he has that explosiveness and and some of that breakaway speed that Kyle Shanahan covets. Shanahan compared him to to Tevin Coleman. He said, you know, the way he can can take any run to the house uh, reminds him a lot of Coleman, who obviously had some success under Shanahan with the Falcons. So Um, You know, he's definitely one of the most interesting figures in training camp, uh, for sure. But for right now, I would say it's a long shot that he makes the team and and the 49ers might be bracing for losing him. And I mean, I don't know that they're all all that concerned about it, to be honest, because running back is, is traditionally a position that Kyle Shanahan can can identify guys and um, and find a potential replacement if it if it needs to happen.
2: Lesson learned: maybe they're not going to burn fourth round picks on running backs anymore. You find Matt Breida undrafted. Yeah, I think there's six receivers on this roster, Chris. I think that's set in stone. Two quarterbacks, that's set in stone. It's going to be between O line and running back there, and depends on who emerges for the backup O lineman. The next interesting question I think we'll solve, and maybe it's clear to you, is second linebacker, Ruben Foster. Obviously when he gets back week three, he'll be on the field. Are they going to start the season with Malcolm Smith and Fred Warner there? Or are they really that confident in Fred as a rookie? And if he's playing well and better than Malcolm Smith, does it eventually become Reuben Foster and Fred Warner later in the season?
3: Yeah, I, I, th- I would think Fred Warner is going to be the favorite to start in Reuben Foster's spot just based on what we saw during the offseason program. He was a super quick study Um coordinator Robert Salas spoke pretty highly of the of the first impression he made coming in you know after playing some sort of weird hybrid strong side linebacker position at BYU uh, where he spent most of his time out in the slot covering receivers and tight end um, he adapted pretty quickly and he, and he was good enough to call the plays in the huddle as the Mike linebacker uh, working all the way up to the second team behind Malcolm Smith uh, during OTAs in June so I would say Warner is definitely the favorite to replace Foster uh, over those first two games of the season, and and if not, the Forty ers have a pretty good plan in place. I think you know they like Brock Coyle a lot. He's not the most athletic guy, but um, you know you saw it last year. He played pretty well over those final five games of the season uh, of last season, even though he was dealing with a shoulder injury. Um, and and he's more or less he's, he's kind of the guy who's a coach on the field. Um, he's he's kind of like Jeff Elbrick was back in the day with with the 49ers, not, not an overly athletic guy, but a guy who will give you something on special teams and a guy who communicates well. And, and, you know, during the off season program while he was out, he was calling the signals for the linebackers on the sideline. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if Coyle is, is uh, goes into coaching. Uh, maybe he's the linebackers coach, you know, soon after he retires. But um, I think, you know, they like Coyle a lot. Uh, they like Corey Toomer enough to, to sign him as an insurance policy and maybe tumor makes the team too, but he's on a minimum contract. And, um, you know, they're the, the 49ers aren't necessarily, they don't necessarily need, uh, five linebackers, five inside linebackers, unless all these guys are playing on special teams. So, um, I would expect Fred Warner to be there. And yeah, like you said, I mean, whether it's this season or next season, they they used a third round pick on Warner to, to be an eventual starter. And, um, I definitely think he's going to be starting in 2019, um, but it is a little bit more questionable whether or not he's he passes up Smith this year in, in 2018.
2: I think that'll play itself out. We'll figure that position out. Middle linebacker, you'll start to understand who Robert Sala likes. I want to know about Dante Pettis because a second-round pick at receiver, I don't think it's a redshirt year for him. I don't think there's going to be games where he's inactive. They want Dante Pettis involved in the game plan, but where exactly do they stick him? Trent Taylor's been kind of battling that back issue. We'll see how healthy he is at the start of training camp, but maybe he starts off in the slot. I don't see them pulling Marquise Goodwin off the field that often. Obviously, Pierre Garçon and Kyle Shanahan, that's his probably his favorite receiver he's ever coached in, in conversations I've had with other staffers, too. hes They just have a synergy together. I don't see Pierre coming off the field. Dante Pettis, what's the best-case scenario this season for him? Where do they put him?
3: Well, I definitely think he's going to be the punt returner. Um, so he'll be active on game days, even if he only gets a handful of snaps at receiver. He's going to be returning punts um, just because, what, he have nine, nine punt return touchdowns uh, to set the NCAA record at Washington. So um, he'll be active on game days. He's definitely making the team, obviously. Uh, I look at Aldrick Robinson's role, um, sort of what, what he played last year. He was sort of the fourth or fifth guy. He played kind of all three spots, and one of the reasons the 49ers like Pettis is his versatility to play in the slot or outside. Um, And that's what Kyle Shanahan really likes about him. So he can, you know, he can play in there. He can, he can play outside. I I don't know about his toughness over the middle. I don't necessarily know about his hands, Um, but he is a dynamic athlete. He's not as fast as some people would like for a receiver taken in the second round. I was told uh, the 49ers clocked him unofficially at four, five, one, uh, which is just about average, but he's, you know, he's slithery, he moves a little bit differently, and and he can change directions on a dime. He's that kind of guy. But uh, the the first thing I thought of when they drafted him was Aldrick Robinson's roster spot might be in trouble, because Robinson is sort of the guy who could, like I said, play all three of those spots. And he's entering the final year of his contract. And I think the 49ers wouldn't have any problem at all giving giving that that role to Pettis if he earns it in training camp. And, And I'm kind of expecting him to Right now I think Robinson is on the outside looking in. I think the forty ers might rather, you know, have somebody who really excels on special teams filling out the receiving core, someone like Aaron Burbridge, um, who surprised me this off season, but particularly with how he was used in practice. He got a lot of first team reps, um, which indicates to me the coaching staff really wants to see if he can be part of that rotation because of what he does on special teams, he might have a have a chance to be active on the forty six man roster. So if they want someone like Burbridge, who does well on special teams, and I think that doesn't bode well for Robinson. Um, if they really like Richie James, their seventh-round pick, kind of a backup slot guy to Trent Taylor, um, that might not bode well for Robinson. So it'll be interesting to see how it all works out. But I think uh, I think Pettis is going to take Robinson's role.
2: Yeah, I think Robinson's out. I don't know about Burbridge, and we didn't even mention Kendrick Bourne's pretty much a lock with the quotes they're getting out and they're writing about him on 49ers.com. Like he is going to be a big part of the offense. I just, it's going to be tough to find him targets as well. And you drafted a second rounder at receiver. So those are the questions, Chris, I think they're going to be able to answer. We'll know Joe Williams pretty early on in training camp where he's headed, second middle linebacker, Dante Pettis, where they're going to stick him. These are the. Big questions I don't think they're going to be able to answer. Pass rush is number one. You're not going to be able to tell in a training camp setting who – I mean, you're going to be able to tell the sub-packages and what their plan is, but not who's going to be effective really. Is that an issue in your mind? I mean, it's just normal training camp. In the NFL, we'll we'll see who lines up where. We're not just going to know. I mean, they're not viciously hitting each other. You can't simulate that. Is that a concern going into week one that – you know, Jeremiah Atachu, Cassius Marsh, the list of names they have here. I literally bring it up on every single podcast I have. I mean, I'm banging the red <laughs> alarms here, and I hope I'm wrong. I, I just don't think that there's enough in the stable. I, and if Robert Sala can do this, man, he really deserves a raise and a, another look at how talented he is calling plays.
3: Yeah, well, well one of the, the storylines that I'm sure is going to get more plays training camp goes along is the addition of Chris Kiffin. Um, he's essentially a new coach. He's Monty Kiffin's son, and he was brought in specifically with improving the pass rush in mind. Um, so I I think what the, that, what that's going to lead to is the 49ers being more creative schematically in terms of the way they get after quarterbacks, whether they run a bunch of different stunts or two man games, um, those kind of things. There are different ways you can scheme a pass rush instead of just relying on, guys to win their individual matchups and i know you know going back to 2011 when you know Alden smith first came on the scene a lot of his uh a lot of his sacks were came off of two-man games that he ran with justin smith and maybe the 49ers try to get creative with you know their interior guys those, those first round picks to forrest buckner eric armstead and solomon thomas you know maybe they they work in some of those actions or something like that to to try to scheme different pressures on the quarterback. That's that's what I'm expecting from the off from the defense. And and the good thing about that is, you know, we could see that in training camp when even when the pads are on, when you just have guys going one on one, you know, it can get a little redundant after a few weeks because you know we know what uh, Cassius Marsh against Joe Staley looks like. Staley is going to get the better of that matchup most of the time. But if they're scheming different things and, and they're doing a bunch of different things. To maybe you know get guys off balance or get guys looking the wrong direction, uh, that's going to show up and we're going to be able to see that. So um, I'm with you though. Like I don't know that they have the necessary pieces on that defensive front to be a good pass rushing team. The question I have is whether or not it's going to be good enough, right? Like can Buckner go from three sacks to eight or ten? Can Eric Armstead stay healthy for a full season? And and you know can he give them six? And same with Solomon Thomas.
2: They're calling Buckner a decoy in that building. I mean, they are really putting a lot on people's plates and projecting too far ahead. I mean, a lot of pressure is going to be on DeForest Buckner. He was so close last year to having a lot of sacks. Um, To count on him as your primary pass rusher, though, with just a committee at Leo— I'm skeptical. Maybe Solomon Thomas will prove us all wrong. Maybe, you know, he's working out with a bunch of different people. He's really putting the work in. I just think that he's physically limited, that he's not the strapping athlete that they evaluated.
3: Yeah, I mean, one thing I I just wrote about this a few minutes ago. Um, You know, the Niner, he played, I think he played 10% of his snaps at Stanford. from the edge uh, and a pro football focus was tracking this. He played 71% of his pass rushing snaps on the edge last year, um, which, and, and he, he, according to pro football focus, he had a pressure for every 14 and a half pass rushing snaps, whereas on the inside, he, he had a pressure for every 4.3. So he's dramatically better on the inside. And we saw that in college. And I think a lot of us thought that that's where he would succeed in the pros but he didn't really get the opportunity to play inside um, like a lot of us thought he would. And ultimately it, it turned out that he wasn't particularly good on the edge rushing the passer. And, and he doesn't have that many moves. He, he relies on the bull rush a lot. He doesn't have, or he didn't have any secondary moves. I'm sure this offseason, like you mentioned, he's he's working on a lot of those secondary moves, but um, he should benefit from a new role. They're, they're going to move him to the inside more often in, in pass rushing situations. And, and that's at least what the brass said. Um, so Eric, it sounds like Eric Armstead's going to be out on the edge a little bit more on the strong side. Um, and he's going to be a part of that rotation along the inside too. But if Solomon Thomas is able to really cement himself in a role, you remember last year, he didn't join the team until training camp because of that rule that they got rid of preventing college players from joining their teams until, until their classes are out of session. So Thomas really didn't join the team until, uh, until late July. Um, I think he signed on the sec- the first or second day of training camp, so he um, he should benefit from having a full off season, having a much more clearly defined role. And we'll see how he schemes with with you know by Chris Kiffin and and if him and Buckner are used creatively on the inside, they could complement each other pretty well. With Buckner eating up double teams and maybe Thomas using his quickness to to take advantage of those double teams by running stunts and, and different things like that. There there are different ways to skin a cat when it comes to pass rushers. It's not always just having a guy like Von Miller on the edge, but yeah, I I mean, I agree with you. I I think that's definitely the biggest question going into the season and they're going to need their pass rush to be improved. If they're going to get the turnovers necessary to win games, if they're going to get off the field on third down, like they need to, Um, those are, those were the two biggest areas where they struggled last year.
2: I think the biggest improvement that we're going to see from the 49ers in 2018 is the run game. And not just Jarek McKinnon, the blocking schemes, McGlinchey getting out in space, Weston Richburg playing more of that Alex Mack role at center. I think right away we're going to be able to tell, whoa, this offense, they can run the football. It's going to be a dangerous, I think, 28 points per game offense. I think Jimmy G is going to take a step back, a small one, still have you know 22 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, something like that. But I think this... Offense is going to look different with the run game. They're going to use it as a weapon inside the red zone, kind of like Kyle Shanahan did in 2014. He had Isaiah Crowell. He had Terrence West. He had a running back by committee, but he pounded the football. Um, I think that's what they're going to be doing and really why they traded Trent Brown, why they got rid of Daniel Kilgore, who had a strong end of the season. It was an upheaval there what's your expectations with the offensive line and Kyle
3: Shanahan? I think the offensive line should be better. I think Weston Richburg, just watching some cut-ups and different things, he's um, he, he's definitely an upgrade over Kilgore, particularly in pass protection, but he's also an athletic athletic upgrade who can get to the second level and take on linebackers and, like you said, be sort of that Alex Mack type, type center. I don't know that he's going to be as good as Alex Mack, but if he's one of the five or six best centers like he's getting paid to be, that's a huge win for the 49ers and would represent a big upgrade. Um, I am, I am with you on the running game being improved. You look at Jarek McKinnon's, you know, people point to his lack of workload and, and the fact he never rushed for a thousand yards or whatever. Um, I think if you, if you look at the way he was used in Minnesota and the fact their offensive line wasn't particularly good. Um, I, I, I think he could be a sleeper to really have a breakout season and, and, and obviously the 49ers are banking on that because they're guaranteeing him, you know, close to $12 million this year. But um, I mean, McKinnon just go back to his combine and, and what he ran. I mean, his 4.41 in the 40, um, his vertical jump, his broad jump, all these numbers were in the 95th percentile among running backs. Um, and, and if he fits like Kyle Shanahan thinks he's going to fit, you look at someone like Devonta Freeman with Atlanta who had, Two insanely productive seasons with Shanahan as his coordinator. McKinnon is a much better athlete. So if McKinnon has it between the years like Freeman does in terms of adapting to the style and and um, just 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 being that type of runner, then I think the upside is there for McKinnon to be even better. Now I don't know that McKinnon is going to be better than Devontae Freeman was. I think he had uh, Freeman had three thousand total scrimmage yards during those two seasons combined. Um, but McKinnon's going to be really good as a receiver. We know that he's really good on outside zone runs, which is which is where the 49ers are going to feature him heavily. He's really good in the screen game. He's good in the slot. Um, so I'm with you. Car- Carlos Hyde was uh, was sort of an awkward fit. Um, you know, he was a decent enough player, but behind that line and and with Kyle Shanahan's scheme, it didn't totally work. I'm with you. I, I would expect the the running game to be more productive this year, and I think McKinnon. Um, just given Shanahan's history with, with running backs could be really good, um, but I'm a little bit hesitant to say, you know, he's going to be one of the, you know, he's worth like a first-round fantasy pick or anything like that. I, I, I just, you know, I will say just given his lack of experience or lack of, uh, you know, he was never the the true number one running back in Minnesota, I'm curious to see how he's going to handle, um, you know, getting 25 touches a game.
0: We
2: didn't even mention Kyle Juszczyk too. There's just a lot of pieces – Kyle Shanahan can use with the running game, and we all know he, more than any offensive coordinator in the league, uses the same type of formations in the run game and the pass game. It's why he's had success in the NFL. So with that run game's going, confuses the defense. Make or break player Chris Biederman in my mind for this 49ers season. Not Solomon Thomas, not Jimmy G, not Richard Sherman, not really anyone that we talk about often. I guess he's getting some positive press it's a witherspoon i think he is going to get picked on this season a lot of targets his way remember we crowned richard robinson after one year in the nfl 49ers put him in a terrible position being a number one corner so at least richard sherman will be on the other side but i think if there's a weakness on this 49ers team where other teams are going to pinpoint and attack they're going to try and find flaws in a witherspoon's game listen he's had a great offseason he looks bigger Um, you know there's positive coverage about him I'm not fully sold that he's ready to be that really one b piece that you need as a second corner still think he's going to sort himself out and this could be a tough year if he gets targeted a bunch your expectations for Akilah Witherspoon
3: yeah I mean he looks he looks really good during the offseason program for whatever that's worth I, I will say you know he looks like uh, like almost like a baby giraffe out there in in the spring last year after he was drafted. He just, he just didn't look very confident. He was um, uncomfortable learning. It looked like he was uncomfortable learning his responsibilities and things like that. And he was, you know, running with the second and third team um, in a cornerback group that that wasn't all that good uh, talking to people with the team. It sounded like he really turned a corner early in the season on the practice field. Um, and it eventually led to him, you know, getting in the rotation in that Indian Indianapolis game, um, and then eventually taking over that starting job from Richard Robinson, who had a, his own you know series of issues that led to him getting traded. Um, but I do think Witherspoon could turn into a good player. I think the signs were there towards the end of last year, um, but he is going to get picked on a lot, like you said, because if Richard Sherman is back to to you know ninety percent of himself, he's he's not going to get targeted very often. Um, and a lot of those targets are going to go towards Akella Witherspoon and, and maybe even K1 Williams. Um, but I think the 49ers are confident in him. Uh, Witherspoon talks like he's supremely confident. You know, he was quoted in that MMQB story by Robert Klemko earlier this week saying, you know, I deserve to be in, in the same conversation as these elite cornerbacks. Um, Whoa. You know, he was he was at Richard Sherman's summit with uh, with Akeem Tlaib and Xavier Rhodes um, so, you know, he, he mentally he has put himself, uh, as, as being capable of, of joining that realm. And we'll have to see if he gets there. If he does, obviously the 49ers could have, you know, two of the best starting corners in football, but he has to go out and prove it. And he's going to be tested a lot starting with, you know, week one in, in Minnesota with Adam Feline and Stefan Diggs. Those are, those are guys who are quick and can get open. And, uh, and so I, you know, I, I have high expectations from Witherspoon. I think he's going to be a good player. Um, I'm not certain of that, but I think all the signs are pointing to a, another solid step in year two. And, and he seems like a drastically different person than he was 12 years ago or 12 months ago in, in terms of his confidence. And, and he's talked a lot about, um, you know, idolizing Richard Sherman and Sherman taking him under his wing and, and picking Sherman's brain and Sherman's been, um you know, he's been the guy who wants to be the veteran leader. He's he's the he's the guy who's taken ownership of that cornerback room, and he's taken a lot of these guys under his wing. And and you know, when when he wasn't practicing, he was when all these guys were were on the sidelines, he was working closely with them and mirroring routes and going over different techniques and things like that. So all those signs point to me that uh, to me they point to Witherspoon, you know, taking a a, a good step forward in in year two. Um, But we know how hard cornerback can be in the NFL, and the 49ers are going to go against a lot of good receivers, so we'll see if he lives up to it.
2: Comprehensive training camp previews. Chris Biederman, we're wrapping up. One of the best writers covering the 49ers in Santa Clara every day. Make sure you're following him. Niners Wire USA Today Media Group. Sleepers, um, that's where we're going to go next. I obviously am not there for the spring program, so I, I don't have any new guys um, as my sleepers. Tell you what, though, Chancellor James really stuck out last year as a guy who could potentially be that third safety, be that just chess piece. Even you know, outside linebackers on third downs, he's very good in space, lays the wood. I'm interested to see how he does with the pads on. I feel like he's a pads guy way more than the spring. And then Cole Hickettini at tight end. He got called up late in the year. Um, he has speed. And I think in a two tight end set, if Selick time is banged up, if Kittle is banged up, Hickettini could have some big plays this season.
3: Yeah. I, I think the 49ers like Hickettini's athleticism, certainly. And he's, he's a pretty natural route runner and has good hands. Um, but you know, it remains to be seen how much he's going to be used, he'll be active on game days, uh, I would think, just because they're, I would imagine they're going to have three tight ends up, although they don't necessarily need to with with Kyle Yuch on the roster. Um, but yeah, I think Hikatini could be interesting. I really think George Kittle is going to be um, is, is going to be another guy who takes a dramatic step forward this season. He was banged up throughout last year, starting in training camp. he was never really hundred percent healthy, and I think. Uh, to a man, he would probably tell you he was, you know, he was waffling between probably 60 percent health and 80 percent health throughout the season. And he missed that one game because of his ankle injury. But um, he was just dealing with a ton of different stuff. And he spent the off season, you know, becoming more flexible, uh, getting in the weight room, hopefully to be more durable. Um, but, you know, he was one of nine tight ends in the last decade as a rookie to have 500 yards receiving. Uh, And he was second among rookie tight ends in in yards receiving last year. And I just think he's, he has the talent to, you know, the physical tools and and the mental capacity to, to be one of those top flight tight ends. And I think in this offense, um, he'll have that opportunity. He's uh, the Kyle Shanahan loves to use 13 personnel and loves to use play action and get his tight ends open in space. And you go back and look at Kittle's combine numbers and his, his production last year. And you wonder why he he lasted all the way to the fifth round. I think he's going to be one of their better picks that they made in that draft. Um, so I don't know if Higatini going to have a ton of opportunity barring injury, obviously, but um, you know, the Niners love Selick. Uh, he's, he's, he, I mean, he's one of the, one of the favorites in the locker room. He's, you know, if he doesn't make any catches, he's, he's still going to have a smile on his face. Uh, he's a good blocker. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure that Higatini is going to have much of a role, but but I'm with you on Chancellor James. The one thing I will say, though, uh, and, and you can say this, just about every backup strong safety that the 49ers have right now, none of those guys participate in the offseason program, including their rookie, you know, 6th round pick Marcel Harris out of Florida. You know, he suffered an Achilles tear last July. He didn't participate in the offseason program at all. Don Jones tore an ACL. Last August, and he didn't participate in the offseason program at all, and neither did Chancellor James because he also tore an ACL last August. Um, so I'm with you on James, though he did look really good, particularly you know after joining the team as a tryout player, um, and and he was seriously in the running for a roster spot before he got hurt. Um, I don't know how that all would have shaken out if he stayed healthy. He might have ended up on the practice squad, but he is a guy, you know, a physical guy, a thumper. Um, but it's going to come down to health with all three of those guys and the 49ers really don't have any depth behind Jaquaski Tart right now which is one of the reasons why they're noncommittal about figuring out where Jimmy Ward's going to play um, you know Kyle Shanahan and and uh, Robert Salev said you know they think Jimmy Ward could potentially play strong safety i think that's a little crazy given that Ward is 193 pounds. yeah um but he could do it i guess i mean <laughs> but you know we'll have to see but i but i do think um, the backup, the backup strong safety situation is going to be in the spotlight in training camp, just because none of those guys are, are going to be hundred percent healthy to start. I don't think maybe they'll be cleared right away. Um, but I'd imagine the 49ers are going to take things slowly, just given all three of those guys, Harris, uh, Don Jones and, and, um, and Chancellor James are all coming off pretty significant injuries. There's
2: Mayoko, Barrows, and Biederman. I mean, there's a big three down there and Biederman is really entering the discussion with how he analyzes his football team. We are thrilled to have him on the KJ you podcast. Throw Eric Branch in there. Oh yeah, but I mean I can't,
3: I can't let you sell Eric Branch short. He I mean he's an
2: alien in a good way though. Like they we need him asking questions, we need him writing the feature stories. He does cover the team damn well too. Yeah, yeah. you four. Branch, my bad. And someone's gonna tweet him and tweet at us and it's gonna be a thing. And no. He'll make a
3: funny comment. Branch is the guy, the the thing that we all have grown to love about Eric Branch is, you know, press conferences normally end with a pretty soft question. Um, I remember one time I asked Jim Tomstula before a Thanksgiving game when the season was was essentially over, you know, what Jim Tomstula's favorite Thanksgiving food is because I was, you know, just going around the locker room asking guys what they like to eat for Thanksgiving. And then after I asked that, thinking the press conference would be over, uh, Eric Branch asked Tom- Jim Tom Sula if he's expecting or if he thinks his job is on the line. and He's going to get fired <laughs> if he keeps going the way it's going. And that was like the most the, the most perfect Eric Branch press conference moment because that's always what he does. He's the guy known for asking the, the super hardball question at the very end of a press conference when everyone thinks thinks the press conference <laughs> is over. So it's so it always makes for good entertainment.
2: Oh, there's some talented guys. Uh, 49ers fans are lucky with the coverage they get of this football team. Chris Biederman, looking forward to your training camp reports, and we'll talk to you again soon. All
3: right, thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it.